All right, good afternoon. Hashtag Decolonize Cannabis. Today joining us is Suzette Amaya, Samaya Productions, Think Indian FM, and Big Brother Canada Season 7. Uh, I don't know what else to tell you if uh, the name speaks for itself or herself. Absolutely. And uh, great production, promotion, entertainment, not new to the digital waves at all. And rolling with the analogy and the atmosphere we're trying to bring from Manitoba from a different perspective, from a different lens. Flourish Ventures Limited, our ship rising with the tide, the digital wave, so to speak. A bit of a new atmosphere for us. And if anyone knows in the center, kind of lagging and catching on. And looking forward to hearing from leaders like yourself, as well from leading provinces such as BC. And no further ado, Suzette Amaya. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Suzette Amaya. I'm on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples of the Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Musqueam. Um, I am Cree, Coast Salish, Nishka, and Kwakwakiwa. And uh, yeah, I was actually on Big Brother Canada season one. Sorry. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, I threw um, seven. Seven definitely was Damon Ketlio. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's an honor to be able to just share and talk about my experience and um, my thoughts on cannabis. Um, I work in the downtown east side, and I've been there working for over 18 years. And I've worked in many shelters in the lower mainland here in Vancouver. And uh, I grew up in, I guess you should say, the project. So, you know, my life has been riddled around family members and friends who've, you know, who struggled with addictions as well as physical health and whatnot. So, you know, I believe in harm reduction. And um, this is a topic that, you know, I have opinions about as well. And I think that there are some pros and cons. Absolutely, Suzette. Thank you. And uh, most importantly, the harm reduction and bringing that up moving forward uh, in future episodes as well and building up to hearing from more professional people like yourselves. Uh, also demonstrating for us importantly on the show that we are not pro cannabis use and that we, we bring in this education and insight as often as we possibly can. So honing it down into... Uh, into Manitoba, hashtag decolonize cannabis and where we're coming out and where we've reached out and connected with you. And we can discuss a little bit about our, our past relationship and our professional relationship that's grown over the years. Uh, the mutual acquaintance, NARP, here we go. But still, more importantly, in Manitoba, medical cannabis remains uh, what has transpired through the legal cannabis industry. Uh, starting 2018 and here remains where other provinces participate in let's say per household up to four plants recreationally uh, more broadened adult use recreational market availability and exploration uh, Man Manitoba struggles but maintains to to catch on and get up to the time so where you're coming from and what you've seen when you talk to projects and and letting our speaker or here our listeners know coming from Vancouver at the projects and the environment that you've been exposed to we're here in Manitoba moving forward as we adapt to that uh, to that use is there is there a paradigm or has there been a paradigm shift or is there a uh, an 
ultimatum for clientele in your usual environment that is inclusive to uh, the legalization of cannabis use medically or recreationally uh, and not as a crutch but as a median or on the flip side of that is it still uh, in that bundle package as far as assessments go and consumer usage uh, even including medically and what Manitoba might look at when, as we move forward and, and, and prepare to, to embrace possible changes coming in October 2018 at the three-year review? Well, you know, like, um, I, I grew up here in East Vancouver, and uh, it's a, it can be, you know, it's a tough community as far as, you know, we struggle with, with poverty and in the downtown east side addictions. And I grew up with parents who both, one went to residential school and the other was, uh, my father was uh, part of the 60 scoop, so we just adopted out into a non-native family. And both of them, uh, they had met here in Vancouver in the downtown east side. And, uh, you know, they were hippies. My parents were total hippies. Uh, coming out of, um, you know, residential school and 60 scoop and trying to find their identity and the culture of the hippie culture well, was, of course, drugs and alcohol and and I grew up around marijuana my whole life you know and uh, there was always this sort of like acceptance around the culture of marijuana in uh, in my family um, but then my mom became a drug and alcohol counselor and uh, Christian and our family became very very conservative uh, I was I mean I was brought up in private school we're, we're talking from poverty inner city to private school with uniforms right and yeah. so the mind shift came where it was very um you know don't do drugs and don't do this and don't do that and uh From... or you're going to hell you know and yeah. so uh those kinds of you know thoughts were embedded in me and how i should live my life and uh you know and for good reason because there's ways to live a healthy balanced life and, and also, too, like, I lived on reserve. I'm from the Guasala, Nakwatao Nation, the Kwakwakiwak people. And I lived on reserve in Port Hardy. And even then, like, my people, they suffered from addiction severely, um, as well as many reserves across the nation. And so I seen the, uh, the impact of um, alcohol and drugs on Indigenous peoples and, and whatnot. And so I was surrounded by it my whole life. And the and the, the mentality was like your the mentality was like heroin is equal to marijuana, you know? Right. And uh they're the stigma. wrong. Don't right. do it, you know? Yeah. And uh even with elders and whatnot. And addiction is a real thing where, you know, um I've been in indigenous communities where people are selling their TVs and their personal possessions. For you know, dime bags and like you know, right. a pound of meat, a weed, and um, you know, so I've seen that aspect too, where people have become really addicted in, in in all kinds of stuff, including cannabis. But my mind changed quickly when I became work, working in the downtown east side in a shelter, and in the shelter with women and children and whatnot, I've seen uh, people who suffer from you know severe ailments physically as well as mentally, too, um, who use, who self-medicate with cannabis. And as a support worker who went from this 
paradigm thought of like, hey, it's wrong, don't do that, judging people and just being so conservative about the whole idea around cannabis, like, oh, don't smoke near me and whatnot. Right. Um, and the, uh, even to the point I hated marijuana um, because of just the embeddedness of living that, like, don't do it, you know, yeah. um, and having a DNA counselor for mom. But, you know, in the shelters, there were moms who were medicating their children who were dying of cancer. And that was their only hope. And, uh, you know, I've seen people give, give their children weed pills because they needed to help soothe their children from, you know, leukemia or whatnot or, or HIV. Uh, children have HIV, too. And, and, and so I've seen it actually help people. And it was kind of a struggle in my own mind and thought of what cannabis was all about because I was so against it um, from the upbringing that I was living and with the elders and the, 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 the family members of mine who were, you know, very strict Christian and very against drug and alcohol. And I, I opened a window of having compassion and understanding that maybe this is helping people. And it was hard to see a child, you know, like, you know, taking weed pills or, or whatnot. And I'm not talking CBD, right? I'm talking about cannabis. Like, right. you know, having, you know, if they're having a joint or whatnot. Yes. And then uh, after a while, you know, um, in my own personal life, I struggled with severe trauma. I lost my brother in hit and run. I'm working right now to start a movement against murdered and missing Indigenous men. And uh, I suffered a lot of personal ailments as I get into my 40s. And um, I lost uncles due to T3s. I, I, everyone, all the elders and family members I know are addicted to T3s right now. Yeah. And it's killing their liver. And I had to think, what else can people take? All these pharmaceutical companies are making millions and billions of dollars off indigenous people who have money through Department of Indian Affairs mm. or Indigenous Affairs whatnot to get medication and people are are utilizing painkillers that are straight pharmaceuticals that is also having side effects within their bodies. And then I had to think real hard um, and put my feelings aside of that that embedded like don't do drugs and think there has to be an alternative to taking pharmaceuticals for our elders. Mm -hmm. Has to be an alternative for our people who are living with severe pain from HIV and cancer and, and other things. And um, my mind started to change. Vancouver is very, BC is very open about marijuana. Oh. You smell it on the streets like you would smell like a cigarette pack smoker walking by right. uh there's dispensaries all over vancouver on every corner and it's kind of like now you're seeing people who have like really bougie beautiful like chandeliers and workers who are coming from scientific place to tell you you know what are the strains and whatnot right. and edibles and oils and vapes and that and um you know the mentality around marijuana within bc has changed and um, it's a growing business, I recognize. And there's other things within the cannabis industry, um, you know, CBD oils, 
Right. There's hemp. There's so it's a huge um, industry, and yeah. uh, I think our people can profit, but also help our people as well. You nailed so much there that, like, from the personal insight and family history is is important in all regards in recovery and moving forward in adaptation and and providing that type of information that's important that's huge for people to understand and also what you mentioned on and as a medication and as right as some people can find cannabis to be it still can be abused and that is something that's open for discussion on our channel anytime as well as far as harm reduction goes and moving away from that regular use to a more medicated use because I do as much as uh, hosting hosting this situation as well as inviting the topics. I, I can attest to that at times and at a time in my past where the newness of legal medication, legal medical, mar- medical, medical marijuana can very easily open an avenue for for that exact uh, unfamiliar um, exploration. And lo and behold, then you, it can very easily be abused for the sake of being able to, from having the availability of cannabis on you in excess or to other medians, right? So at the same time, we want to be able to provide that type of uh, discussion on our channel to bring that down, to obviously show that you can uh, you can be wrong still in cannabis and from different perspectives more importantly uh suzette i like and i don't i'm not gonna get uh like i'm not obviously a sociologist or anything but knowing you're educated as well and and our educations from a socioeconomic and tapping onto that perspective and how that plays culturally absolutely you know i'm metis in manitoba the manitoba metis and where we stand culturally, and I'm not saying, and I'm not painting my entire family, but we have a huge family. And from the time I was uh, young until growing, it's so familiar to, because in, in, a, in a, liter- a, piece of, a literature piece I'm, I'm completing right at the time, it's actually, I've touched on some of my family history. So I'm writing a personal experience-based cannabis cultural piece. And, and you reflecting that, that's important because I don't feel I'm alone in in the in what I'm acknowledging in my disclosing of those things, and I'm I'm writing it also from a positive negative. So obviously exposure, right? Family history we have those, but then also from a learning curve and and how that is adapted adaptability. And for me and and you speaking and learning now over the course of a little while of what Flourish Ventures Limited, you nailed another thing, and that is it's an industry. But it has multiple sectors, and those are channels. and And for us in, in our ship, right? That's those are those are channels and river systems that we once again we're we're on a voyage. We're we're looking at that, and that family history, cannabis cultural component. While it can contribute to harmful use for some, at the same time, when you look at your accomplishments, because we haven't even touched on riding those digital waves and think Indian FM and who you are as a Canadian icon across across the nation, speaking in, uh, to the masses uh, as an Aboriginal, national Aboriginal role model and uh, promoter kicking things off into the music industry. That is another component that we want to talk at because at Manitoba, 
while there is indigenous music, while there are performing artists and buskers, we are at Flourish Ventures Limited and with hashtag Decolonize Cannabis as a digital marketing platform are beginning to look at that specifically. Because in my experience with cannabis culture and that adaptability as the guitar beside me, Suzette, from the time we met, and that's why I said 2007, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, and especially sorry, Suzette, on that. That is when you and I had met. It was in 2007, and that's what the seven was thinking about. And also at the time, I had written um, the, a song that I'm copywriting. It is called Worlds Apart, and I've sang it, and people know it, and I, I, I know it is, it's out there, but it's known, it's known, it's been... A, but I, was, I performed that at the first Manitou Abbey Festival. Very, very much out of my first, like out of my comfort bubble. And uh, that whole situation now is coming together as a one. And am I saying, am I going to be the new age hippie writing music about cannabis? Absolutely not. The two, piece, the two pieces of, of music that I have written, though, that I'm going to copyright, they are life experienced. And they open a door to a new avenue that we are going to begin to explore because we know artists and we know struggling uh, life struggles. So when we look at that, that I don't and I'm not saying, well, we, we mentioned stigma. We mentioned stereotypes and lumping in and painting cannabis like other uh, uh, drugs, right, and other addictions, and it happens, and that's part of hashtag decolonize cannabis. It's breaking those stigmas and having the right people actually enter into those discussions to say, yes, this is an opinion and it's right or wrong on it, and but but this is the accreditation backing it up. These are the experiences and the professions backing that up. So while we look at that, how about music on the same side, where and culturally. For you to become a music promoter and, and move into the industry and gain that reputation and growing reputation. And I see somebody like for, for you to be a, a legwork in Manitoba to begin to, to offer an avenue to say, one, we plan to work with uh, cannabis specific, cannabis culture specific music-oriented artists that are looking to, have one, have been writing their own but don't have the means to come together professionally yet and want to work with us on doing that, as well as those that might just be looking to write and share their stories from that same cultural component. But like you mentioned, in the West Coast, it's massive. It's been there. It exists. You've been on the radio for over 10 years. You were on season one of Big Brother Canada. Like, does cannabis, whether it's the, the legacy market previously, moving into the adult use market, and same regard in that tone, is there a paradigm shift in that music industry? Does legalization of cannabis have any, any play in, the, in that moving forward and what artists now might come forward, be able to say, for example, market, be able to uh, express, or but especially like when you mentioned the socioeconomic, the hard times, because those are the stories that we want to hear that captivate, that educate, right? That family history, that personalization, the truth behind those lyrics and the right people getting that message out. So I'll leave it with that for you, Suzette, in the, if you're open to, to discuss a little bit about that and, and what your experience with the cannabis industry is. It's unfolding and continues in BC from a, yeah. from a music industry perspective as well. 
Um, of course. Uh, so I've been in radio since 1997. I created and produced and host a show here in Vancouver, along with my husband, Stanley Amaya, um, at Coffee Guinean 100.5 FM, Monday nights from 9 to 10 p.m. Um, my husband and I created the Indigenous music industry here in Vancouver, uh, hosting events and all sorts of different things, concerts, fashion shows, uh, putting people on the stage, and promoting and marketing people as well. Uh, but you know, the the cannabis culture within the music industry hasn't changed from mm. the days of Jimi Hendrix to now. Right. People have been smoking pot, whether it's legal or illegal. Right. And I don't think that has changed. The 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 thing that has is that within the music industry, people are who own dispensaries or products or the culture are sponsoring. Uh, artists as well as companies and whatnot so right. there is an opportunity to build a relationships um our joey styles is sponsored by crop kings and uh as well as nice. myself and uh so we get swag and whatnot uh, but joey joey styles does not he's straight edge yeah. he doesn't smoke weed or, or drink or anything like that yeah <clears throat> and me myself like a full disclosure is that i do use cannabis for medical reasons as far as like um you know i'm for my own ailments like i'm in my 40s now and i have really bad i have really bad knees i have arthritis in both my knees i have arthritis in my back and i use it to cope with pain um, because my doctor would just prescribe prescribe me hydromorphones like no tomorrow and uh, i wanted to inject and i have severe asthma Right. So I take things in liquid form or capsule form, right? Cool. And, or edible form. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I've worked very, very hard in this industry. As an Indigenous woman who's plus size, it may seem superficial, but this industry is very, uh, it's a business. Right. In Vancouver and all these nightclubs and in Winnipeg, I've hosted events in Winnipeg. Yeah. I've taken people to nightclubs. Uh, by booking them with owners who are non-Indigenous, who may have reservations about having Indigenous-only patrons in their establishments, and say, I'm going to fill this room with 500 Indigenous people, and we are, we are going to bring media, we're going to bring people in here. And there are stereotypes you have to break. Right. And there are people who look at you and say, well... You know, I've had to flirt with a lot of men to make it to, to where I am, um, but have clear boundaries and say, listen to me first. Right. You know, yeah. as a woman, we're the most vulnerable people as indigenous women. And I'm in an industry where at the time I was the only one other than a couple other women across Canada. And so with that, uh, you know, the music industry is riddled with drugs and alcohol. There's no lying about that. That's an absolute fact. And so throughout my years, I've had to maintain my reputation and my standards and my self-care. And then, yeah, be in an industry where, you know, it's just like the, the entertainment industry is an animal in its own. It's about looks. It's about um, money. It's about, you know, what can you bring us, right? Yeah. And, and whatnot. So when you're talking about the cannabis industry, that goes in hand in hand with like, let's go out for a smoke or let's go out for a toke or let's go have a shot of tequila, you know? Yeah. 
And uh, I was not trying to promote that industry uh, to our people, mm-hmm. but uh, trying to find a space for our people to be uh, at the main stage. Yes. You know? Yeah. And so that's the difference. Um, you know, we have non-Indigenous people out there who are main stages at these festivals, concerts, uh and rising in the music industry. And so we don't have to sell ourselves too short or 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 go against our own beliefs in living a clean and sober life. But you have to understand that there are some places within this industry where to have, you know, a couple totes in there is absolutely acceptable to some owners or managers or publicity, you know. Right. Um, you'd be absolutely kind of like delusional to think that this is a clean and sober industry um you know where say if you want to do industry with japanese people you may have to have sake right right you may um there are people who um i don't know i've had to jump through a lot of hoops to be where i am at and and not sacrifice who i am and so you know i have a very strong belief in not having balance and wellness in my life and not be judgmental on the people who don't, you know? Right. And That's so right. <clears throat> what I do is uh, I support people. Let me tell you how harm reduction started in the downtown east side. All right. In Vancouver, we have on Hastings and Maine in the core, which is like people would say Skid Row or, or the downtown area. Um, my father was killed by a bus on Hastings and Maine. And on that same block, 50 indigenous women went missing. And on the same block where the VPD, Vancouver Police Department, resides at that time. Okay. And so what was happening is that women of all nationalities were using in the alleys, on the streets, and had no safe place to use. Whether they're using heroin, crack, cocaine, cannabis, or whatnot, right? Mm. And so they decided they were going to help people and give them safe space without judgment Mm -hmm. and i understand that and i support that and so why is the whole people like people aren't getting bent out of shape over people using methadone that's not a big protest thing everyone's not going crazy over that well you know if somebody wants to smoke some joints and rather than doing heroin i'll be it to you i think that i spent so, so many years working in the shelter where I want to ease people's pain without judgment. Right. And that's where that's where the issues really lie, is helping people without judgment. And if cannabis, think about it, alcohol, more people are in jail because of the effects and things they do when they're under the influence of alcohol. And oh, lots absolutely. of people die from alcohol. And that's fully legal. There's liquor stores all over the place. Yeah. Indigenous people don't do well with alcohol right. or anybody for that matter. Yeah. That is the same with tobacco. <clears throat> As indigenous people, people use it for ceremony or, or for sacred things. But yet tobacco is harming people. A lot of people are dying of lung cancer or all the effects. There's going to be effects of all different kinds of quote-unquote drugs, right? That's right. Whereas cannabis comes from the earth. It's not mass-produced 
in a lab. And as indigenous people, we are dependent on laboratory drugs, right? And so that's where you and I both been national role models in Canada. We toured all over the country. I've been to over 500 reserves in Canada. A lot of people right now are dying of fentanyl overdoses. Yeah. And yes, they do, do they do put fentanyl in cannabis. And that's why I support the legalization of cannabis and the decriminalization of cannabis so that there's safe way for people to to use it however they may choose right yes and so i'm not here to judge if people are using cannabis for their their physical pain if they're using it for their mental pain who are we to judge how people use it That's... i'm not here to judge people and so I, I really think that people need to take a hard look at, at decriminalizing it and decolonizing it because um, cannabis grows naturally in lots of parts in BC and uh, I see it as an economic uh, way to sit at the table within a billion, well, trillion dollar industry. Yeah. The government is making a ton of money off cannabis right now. Yes. And so are other non-Indigenous peoples, non-Métis, and non, you know, yes. other people. Yeah. And we're not at those tables. And where are those crops? They're on our, our, our land. That's right. Right? And so when we take a hard look at, like, moving forward, let's become economic players in an industry that's growing that in some cases are helping our people, right? Absolutely, yes. In Vancouver, you can choose whichever dispensary you want to go to. If you want to go to a scientific lab-looking kind of like a pharmacy or a women's drugs-looking dispensary, you got it. There's a a doctor there. There's someone in a lab coat. There's your cannabis. Or you can go to one with chandeliers and a really posh, uh, you know, chalice with, yeah. with palm trees or you can go to one where the Rastafari guy is there and he's like yo I'll explain the strains to you you know <laughs> yeah. um, so the the market within the cannabis industry is huge it's growing and within BC there's not too much debate as far as I understand right as, as someone who's a frontline worker I work in this industry a long time and I I've, I've came to the conclusion that I would rather my mom or my family members or my grandma, my cousins be on cannabis than drinking or like smoke cigarettes or other kinds of drugs that are a lot more harmful. Whatever, if people are already trying to cope with their pain, physical or mental, then who am I to judge? If that's what works for you, that's fine. You know, That's, yeah. I for me personally, I would take a couple capsules of marijuana, like cannabis oil, or like an edible, than you know, um, T3s. I'm allergic to codeine too, so it's not like my. Um, if I'm in extreme pain, you know, I don't want to take um, morphine, or I can't. Right? Right. There's other things out there, but. Um, it's natural, you know, like it's your natural It's natural, option. and people yeah. are dealing with anxiety and depression by using cannabis too, 
um, you know, there are people using it for ADHD. Uh, there's many, many uses. And, um, you know, my goal and my dream in the future would be I would love to have a grow up in my home territory rather than drilling and drilling for gold or minerals. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. um, and, and that's something I truly believe. And I'm trying to pressure my nation to really take a hard look at. And so there are other indigenous nations that are supporting this movement economically. And, you know, I think I had to change my mental capacity of, of being so negative and, 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 and clear-minded, like, no, it's wrong, to actually look at it from a scientific point of view, from an economic point of view, and from seeing it in my client base in the downtown east side. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, <clears throat> it's... It's helping people in different ways, and I'm not here to to discredit it. You're you're a world healer, Suzette. Like all in all in all all in around everything included, pulling it together at the end here for sure. That's what I'm hearing. World healer. You're not judging. You come from life experience. You see the benefit in people. And their abilities to identify in themselves and what paths they're taking and and pulling it all around from the harm reduction. Again, like I mentioned, uh, disclosing even the sharing family history and where everything comes around. But more importantly, you nailed it to have you as a guest with us, like with me today. I, I can't even begin to explain because more than what we could have talked to. You pulled it around and look at the balance you have. Not only like when, when I'm having certain guests, we're talking specific to one industry. You've tamed these industries. Our entertainment and cannabis. And we're looking at government, provincial, however you want to look at it. Your area, national, iconic, but leadership. And from that healing. And more importantly, you're not uh, shy like you've said, to explore your moral compass. You've identified, well, yeah. right? And it's had to take some tweaking, mm-hmm. tweaking and adjusting well, the moral know, compass. That's it's, Sorry, it's rough because of that's time, okay. but that's you okay. know, it's also, it's about accessibility too. You know, like if it, because we're in a metropolis here in Vancouver and there's dispensaries everywhere, people have options. Uh, when it comes to cannabis on you know uh, what element they want to use it or for what they want to use it for and so i definitely think there should be more awareness and more accessibility to yeah. cannabis um in in that they know that they don't have to get it from the local drug dealer who may put fentanyl in it or that's make right other things. at least it's safe quality right? assurance i mean you can go if, if if people went into a dispensary i think that they would actually start to change their mind on a few things and that's what happened to me i got out of the hospital i twisted my knee i broke i tore my acl and i snapped my mcl in my knee and i couldn't walk and i was i couldn't even move during this pandemic if people look on my tiktok or my twitter or my facebook honestly half the time you don't know that i'm home suffering from like can't even move i i'm in a a knee brace Mm. i i'm i'm struggling and, uh, and then I struggled with uh, a lot of grief and loss during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, and that's me being married with kids. What about the people who are alone and, and, and have nobody and are suffering from addictions and all sorts of different things? 
whether it's lost. I think that if there's if people took a hard look and went into dispensary, which I did, it slowly started to change my mind. And you know what? My mom and other people are doing CBD CBD oils. Right. A lot of our elders are moving into our CBDs, and and then a lot of people are moving into to um, cannabis, like you know THC oils and whatnot. So there's there's change, there's movement, and it's amongst our elders, it's amongst our parents, because they were hippies. <laughs> yeah. they, and, and they're turning around and saying, yeah, honestly, you can go to any dispensary in Vancouver and all, it's like 20% of seniors on Tuesdays or whatever the day yeah, may no be. Kidding, and right? um, <laughs> I have to wait in line for all the seniors to go before me. And, um, you know, so... I think the things are changing and, um, you know, I do have feelings about, of course, I don't want people abusing it recreationally or whatnot. And I'm not a, I'm not a police officer, you know, um, my education is in criminology as well as psychology. I've worked in this industry a very long time as a support worker, um, in justice. I've, I've done a lot of work in the criminal justice system. And so, you know, um, I've seen more harm done with alcohol and hard drugs than I have with cannabis. And, um, you know, I know there's a lot of what if, what if and negative Nancy's out there. But listen, I was one of those people to, to the point where I alienated family members because they were using, I alienated a lot of people in my life because I, I had that judgmental mentality where I don't want to be around people who are under the influence. I don't want to be around people who are high on marijuana. Right. And I, I did it so much that those people aren't in my lives and I wasn't there to support them when they needed me. And so I won't do that anymore. And I refuse to judge anybody who struggles with addiction or anyone who uses uh, cannabis recreationally. They're part of our people. And uh, those are if they're abusing it, those are symptoms of other underlying things. And that comes That's with right. all types of abuse of, of you know, The iceberg analogy. Okay. And so those are symptoms. Yeah. And so I'm not trying to promote everyone start smoking weed. I'm not trying to say, hey, I'm just trying to say, look, it's all about balance and take a look at the facts first because I right out denied it for so long. And now I'm here to support an industry that is actually being beneficial to the people who need it. Awesome. Awesome. And you're, you've, you're, you're decolonizing cannabis. Suzette and Maya, I'm, I'm going to leave you, I'm going to leave you with the final words in our, in our parting out here, throw it out there. Anybody wants to reach you, where to tune in to check on you. I'll share our information out on an episode following up on everything else, but definitely plug away how to promote and get to hold of Suzette and Maya and the, anyone joining in, you mentioned Monday nights. So we'll go with that. Suzette, I'll follow up with you and talk to you again. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Uh, Gail Tesla, thank you again. And uh, yeah, follow me on TikTok, on um, all social media. And uh, yeah, I've always got things going on and I'm here to support. And I do a lot of workshops online as well. You go to winniskawin.com. Uh, you can see our wellness workshops with uh, my, my husband, myself, and Joey Styles. And you know, like, 
there's many ways and many perceptions around cannabis. And, um, you know, I think it's something that people should do their research, come up with your own thoughts and uh, be open-minded when you do, because I think that now that I'm more open-minded, I've definitely opened myself to more understanding on the decolonization of cannabis. So thank you so much for your time. You're welcome and take care. Good afternoon, episode six of Hashtag Decolonize Cannabis. Joining me this late afternoon, Emily Huron. Emily Huron is a certified holistic cannabis healer and is presently running online courses and an ebook on how to how to work with cannabis for spiritual healing purposes. And with no further ado, other than actually viewers, you are witnessing a first-time introduction. As far as the theme goes, of raw and uncut, truth and honesty and humble goes, this is this is this is it. This is Emily and I meeting professionally for the first time on a pickup and a build-up. Uh, to social networking at this virtual time, moving forward in the cannabis industry. No further ado, Emily, thank you. Thank you for the introduction. I'm really excited to talk about cannabis today. And uh, as you were mentioning before we came on live, uh, it's a really important topic to talk about decolonization, destigmatization. Right. And uh, yeah, so your ebook and the e online training, the course. So I guess full, obviously full round spiritual care. Uh, in following suit to uh, my previous episode in safe use harm reduction from a medical component. Now ultimately, uh, from a full round healing perspective uh, and balance, and I know that if you look at and if you visit our Flourish Ventures Limited website at all. We take that holistic compass uh, and are adapting as regulations change and moving forward in the industry, especially here in Manitoba, to what our service could provide now online, growing to become that uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically wholesomeness. So the invite to connect with someone like yourself, based off the credentials, the introduction, uh, the information you had sent and want to share here today, it's absolutely fitting especially for decolonized cannabis, because we don't want to offend anyone. What's important on the decolonized uh, component of that, as an Indigenous person myself, mixed descent in Métis here in Canada, uh, the colonization, the decolonization of Indigenous peoples, UN drip, that component of, uh, of society is a part of our business as well in Canada. Uh, indigenous sovereignty going that way, economical plights, right? Self-sovereignty, self-governance, which is my uh, post-secondary back, my education initially, stemming beginning 15, 15 years ago professionally. And those, uh, those of you listening that would know me and from my area, consulta- consultation and facilitation in Indigenous rights has always been at the backdrop. Now with the legalization and the forefront moving forward, we find ourselves in Manitoba, in Manitoba lagging in regulation. Hashtag decolonize cannabis formed that platform where once again, we were able to connect and you're able to bring this type of information here forward. Uh, what type of services you off are, are able to offer? 
And again, if you don't mind, uh, I know you're you're down in the in the south, and yeah. that that's just fitting once again because our earlier discussion was with Canada out of Vancouver. Uh, whereabouts in the south again? Sorry. So I'm in uh, Southern California. I'm in San Diego. Wow, nice. Yeah, um, I've lived all over California, and I've lived in Arizona also, so in the states. Um, but really quick, I kind of want to ask you about your, you know, being native, a plant medicine background. Have you like, did you grow up with that, or um, did it come to you? Well, so interestingly, and still fitting absolutely with this, so cannabis and culture. We'll, we'll say for a component of uh, my literature services that I provide and then in the freelance submittal category of things you're abs- absolutely nailing on something what I what I'm I'm going about is cannabis culture or our, my experience in cannabis and culture so importantly to that if we look at socioeconomic which is important to tie back in with some of the music industry stuff that we look at but uh, family history exposures positive or negative housing and obviously i'm going to say that because that's important so uh where you might look at alcohol influenced exposures at a young age and where alcohol legalization is now as well as the promotion of alcohol and and the acceptance of such but then also addictions categories and avenues to deal with those substances as opposed to the positive or negative influence of cannabis culture in those same environments at a younger age. But more importantly, that was, that's a stigmatized approach. So to, to answer the question, yes, I've been exposed to cannabis when I was young and exposed or, or didn't know of cannabis other than a scent and was never really visual, but say other than a scent or an activity, uh, was I desensitized to it? Not, not at all, not ever influenced to pursue it. As a adolescent, I didn't choose to, to use it. It was in my later teens, closer to 17, I kind of explored, but 19, realistically, I began to openly as an adult explore cannabis that way. And then medically self-diagnosing in my mid twenties and supporting cannabis altogether as an enthusiast. And in my thirties becoming prescribed with cannabis medically and now producing my own cannabis for medical purposes. But definitely full scope that regard, for sure, if that answers your question, definitely, yeah. right. Well, I just ask because I know that like, in a lot of native cultures and not just like Native American, even just like any, many cultures from the past have been using cannabis for spiritual, religious purposes for thousands of years. And so, you know, it is very important. I really love your message about, um, you know, people just having access to it because it really is a very special plant medicine. There's many plant medicines out there and I'm even going a lot deeper on my journey into other plant medicines at this point. But um, cannabis for me was the gateway into learning about plant medicine. And I'm not even just talking about like psychedelic types of medicines or medicines that get you into an altered state. It really is. It's just a plant. It's like any other plant found in nature. And it is, if you think about it in those terms, it is kind of wild that it would be illegal in so many places. Right. And so stigmatized. Um, 
so how I got into working with cannabis spiritually, because I was kind of similar, like as a teenager, I, or I started smoking weed as a teenager, not really regularly, just very sparingly. It really wasn't that important part of my life. Um, but then, um, when my, when I was 20, my mom died and it caused me to go on this really intense healing journey because I started to experience a lot of um, symptoms of mental illness and I PTSD particularly was the strongest symptom I was experiencing and I was on this journey of going to doctors therapists etc and um, some things would work but I just I found myself becoming super obsessed with healing and so I just kept going further down this hole and that's when I started to work with cannabis in a kind of emotional healing is how it started. Okay. Um, I found that it was really good for helping me get into a subconscious state of mind in which I could access emotions that were not present readily when I was just in a normal state of mind. And so I could access these feelings of grief and trauma that were really suppressed in my subconscious that were really causing me all these mental illness symptoms. And so when I would work with cannabis in this way, I would release these emotions. I would literally go cry and like all this pain would come out and I would feel so much better the next day. So it was like a process of working with the plant and the plant kind of came to me in this way. Mm -hmm. And what I'm more focusing on now is like, uh, I was very obsessed with cannabis when I started to work with it <laughs> to the point of like um, what some people could even consider I wouldn't say an addiction but I suppose kind of an obsession because I was like right. wow like this is so cool so I do understand where people come from when they have that perspective of like people can become addicted to it um so I do want to share like a little caveat that cannabis is not a cure-all it's not like the one thing that's gonna heal you of all your um, diseases or whatever you're going through but it can be a portal to open you up to start to access that emotional, spiritual realm. And then once you're in that state, like once you're kind of connected to that frequency, so to speak, mm. you start to attract other things in your life that are going to heal you as well. Right. So that's been my experience of working with cannabis. That's pretty like, powerful. That's powerful. Absolutely yeah. powerful. <laughs> and I, my background is actually in uh, public health. So I did work in like Western medicine. I was in public health research. Um, I graduated uh, with a bachelor's of science degree from UC San Diego in public health. Awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was very interested in health my whole life. I actually wanted to be a doctor, but then when my mom got sick, I moved back home to be with her and to help out the family and kind of heal myself because I wasn't able to really focus in school in the same way that I was prior to her illness. So right. my life really changed after that. But then I was introduced to a more spiritual approach. And so I really do see the connection of mind, body, spirit, the spirit being largely ignored in our culture or society, but it's just as important. If not, you could even argue more because um, when you are connected to that spiritual portal, so to speak, um, you can experience like states of consciousness in which you are guided to things that will help you physically and mentally as well. Um, at least that's my perspective on it. 
I, I hear it totally. That's the, it's a balanced approach, right? Like, yeah. And there's and everything important. <laughs> Definitely. That's another thing. Um, people who do become obsessed with cannabis, they tend to forget about their bodies sometimes. So that is a definite concern. Yes. Making sure we're remembering all three. That's the trick. And it can, like you said, it can get very easily. We talked to like, and it's, a, it's a, so important. I'm glad that you mentioned uh, healthcare. Like I didn't realize that was part of it. And that's a huge part of it, obviously for you moving into the education component of it. Like, uh, yeah. You know. I worked in public health education actually. So I feel like my journey is very guided, like in a way for me to do this sort of education because I do have background working in that area. I've worked for several universities um, in their public health department and um, yeah, but I feel very drawn towards the spiritual path. So how has San Diego and your community, your municipality, your states, um, and do you have a varying uh, regulated, like regulated system in, within your area, for example, for are you able to provide, is there any hassle for you offering the services you do right now in San Diego, uh, being involved spiritually, cannabis and spiritually? Is that a, how is San Diego right now on, on your legalizations? So San Diego, in California, everything, weed is legal. It's been legal for, um, I don't know how many years now. I feel like it's been at least five years at this point. Wide open then. Yeah, it's very... In San Diego's... Um, there's definitely, like, communities that do not accept it. Right. Um, and also, just being part of the United States, the greater United States, there's so many different viewpoints. Most people are not that open to it, but California is definitely more on the leading edge. Like, on the West Coast, anywhere, Oregon, Washington, they're more open to marijuana and even other plant medicines are becoming yeah. more acceptable, accepted, but... um. Yeah, in, in terms of the legal stuff, there is still, like, a lot, there's definitely a lot of fear um, on my end because, you know, it's more like, because I have a medical background, or not a full medical background, but I understand the medical system. Right. Um, there is concern about, like, violating, you know, health type of laws and whatnot right. and I, what I would love is to do more collaboration with the healthcare system but I've you know I found that you know physical health does not really acknowledge the spiritual so much um so for me I'm kind of like I've been staying out of that at this point but get you. who knows what will happen yeah so then Emily with spiritual cannabis spiritual healing and a state like California, your involvement at the level of which you're, you know, conducting assistance in healing and, and uh, I would like service, you know, so social service for the right individuals seeking, seeking that where in the spectrum would you say, as far as that this sector of the industry in California from start to present, uh, like whereabouts in that span, that five-year span, would you say you established yourself or have begun to move forward as an enterprise or as a sole proprietor oh, yeah. in, pardon me? Really only within, so my journey was 
I started to work with cannabis in this way in like 2017, 2018. Right. So for me, it's actually still pretty recent. Um, yeah. Because um, I was going to this therapy that I was, it's called EMDR therapy. It's for PTSD patients. Okay. And I kind of, that started to open me up, I think, a little bit. And I kind of started to use um, techniques I used in that therapy to work with cannabis. Right. And I've been okay. sort of developing it a little bit. Um, but I started to work and, like, develop my course and whatnot, I would say, in my book, um, like, really in <clears throat> 2020. So it's fairly, you know, it's new. It's like that anywhere, and that's that's the other great part of the discussion, right? Like, I mean, we can both obviously probably admit to some extent, and I I admit it, and I where I I not that it's not the admittal, it's acknowledging, but and it's important because we say in uh, in this approach to healing, for example, in an approach to harm reduction or appropriate use methods, all of which, in any way, we look at. Um, the acknowledgement of family history in those situations. And in such, we look at the history of the legacy market, right? And the, the evolution of the adult use market. And even in other professional discussions from uh, corporate representatives, you look at the same, the same dialogue and that, that component exists there. Well, <clears throat> as we evolve and move forward in the adult use recreational market, that's in requiring adaptations from the previous legacy market. And so what I'm interested too, and what you're saying is what I was asking and what, what level you find yourself in, in these five years yeah. are there. So in California is, for example, like a, uh, healing lodge approach, stay in-house equine therapy, cannabis gardening, holistic healing seminars. Is that type of ranch environment existing down in San Diego, California? Is that somewhere or is that something that you're you're looking to get to ward down as like a, a, a large and I have a I have a reason why I'm asking that and and it's very I you'll see why very similar because well we're in the prairies but I mean it's still Canada, right? And ranching and very yeah. much holistic healing sure. is a big thing in Canada. So yeah. Where would you say with that, like as far as that goes? So I have seen a few other people doing this sort of work, and it, se it seems very new. This is so new. Right. Honestly, it almost seems like um, within the last year is when it's really been popping up. And maybe I just am not um, super familiar with, you know, other work that's been done. Maybe other people have been doing this work for longer, but just the people that I've come across. Um, well, sorry. Uh, light bulb there but definitely like you said maybe other people but that's that's part of that discussion we're saying of the history of the legacy market so now when you take that that broad discussion of uh the real intellect the the let's say the og spiritual healers and gurus that do exist amongst their own right now that's still that education component that's a value that can be applied in this industry moving forward at every level, from regulatory standardizing to quality assurance, right, and to right to growth methods, but that history, that education component there, that's that's a real, that's a key part of that. But sorry, I had to, yeah, I said I had a light bulb there. 
I'll let you back to it. It's super interesting because I'm sure people have been doing this sort of work under the table for such a long time, but now like I'm seeing it out in the open because it is legal. Yeah. Like on social media, people are coming out and saying, oh, I do this. Um, this is the work that I do. And people are really, you know, going to these events. And yeah. There's a lot of getting real healing out of it, different from what you would... It's interesting because... Um, there is healing and then there's going to the doctor and they're just, there's different types of healing. And I think, you know, when people are sick, they'll go to the doctor a lot of the time when sometimes there's things that can heal you that the doctor doesn't even know about necessarily or wouldn't prescribe. But I am seeing a lot more doctors too, like uh, prescribing medical marijuana or making that part of their practice. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Totally awesome. Am I the only Canadian that you've reached out to at this point or connected with as far as either hashtag decolonize can? Oh, obviously that, but I mean, cannabis industry specific holistic approaches or yeah. But you know, it is uh, legal in your country. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you reach to the right. It's where, like you mentioned, it's that carrying that risk every now and then. And that, that, that little bit of worrisome still, of breaking a regulation when realistically I know because of my communication correspondence is right to uh, the national level with Ottawa for my own medical grow and quality assurance. And I'm a part of a research hemp and cannabis research project. So that kind of clarifies things. And anyone around here would know that like my medical cannabis is not for sale. They know about our DM platform. They know we have a legitimate business that's going to exist in the industry all of which kind of snowballs around to this very discussion on that bre- reaching beyond and the hashtag decolonize cannabis for certain in all regards, whether we encompass that, you know, and you take it for that, that's really for, for each to, to their own when applying to uh, that concept to, to what we create for dialogue here. And so like, it's, it's so fitting and satisfying two interviews back to back uh, public health, you know, the holistic approach, the, the, the ability to create and dialogue with yourself that actually brings up previous experiences of myself and educations, right. And, the the justice talk and the, the reform and all of the really important things that this is to bring to people that actually do tune in to listen that we are not sitting here, you know, smoking away and talking about the hottest right. strain although that is yeah. that is part of our platform we as medical uh promoters and consumers and standing by our you know our canadian products and beyond as they grow and partnerships flourish that obviously is going to be part of our platform at some point so i mean in a future episode and not to infringe any uh spiritual like negativity or anything that way but let's say at a future episode, you and I on a follow-up discussion, um, explaining over consuming our own medical cannabises, that is legal. That doesn't require putting anyone on the hook. We don't need to review other than our own, maybe bragging it up a little bit, right? But yeah, that's that's really, yeah. I want to mention something that just kind of like came into my mind when you were talking For about sure. uh sitting around and smoking weed um cannabis really is the spiritual component 
that I, the work that I do is really about transformation more than just like sitting around because it can have that connotation of laziness. Um, but this is actually a lot of the time is when it's doing its magic is like when we kind of are maybe just like letting our body heal when we're smoking weed and then transforming and then using that knowledge to go out. Um, and that's what we're doing. But yeah. some people can get stuck in that, you know, that stage, but it's all about like combining that with actually going out and transforming and using what you know to help other people. And um, I also feel that cannabis really is about finding our sovereignty, finding our sovereignty within us and our having rights to have access to these plants, have access to knowledge and wisdom honestly yes and you could get into a whole rant about that <laughs> um about people there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there that like people don't want you to, don't want us to be too you know to know too much and these plants are guides that can show us things that go beyond the physical realm absolutely um, i'm not a conspiracy theorist myself but um there is some truth in that uh, cannabis allows us more sovereignty, more, you know, information. I, it's, it's a thrilling subject for sure. I mean, it sounds to me, I am also a, an astronomical by personal experience, by like, if you look at that way, the, the realm you mentioned astronomical, the same way mother earth, the connectivity plant life cycles and such like the interconnectedness definitely of the galaxy. Like definitely I'm not, I, I hear what you're saying on the, yeah, I wasn't, uh, yeah, I get you. Yeah. That's really definitely. <laughs> you get you there. <laughs> yeah, For sure. Yeah. So why I was asking and I brought up the equine therapy and all that, because on a long term basis, when I hear you talking about that and I, and I consider the little I definitely would know about California, but the ability to learn more and obviously states like California and Colorado that are yeah. paving the global industry for import export, you know, large sector developments that are special, like into specialties, whether it's like into novelties and now obviously the consumption into the food and beverage industries well, all of that kind of paves the way and, and flows out of there, like that's, those are the types of things that I see when I express like, I don't one ultimately the cannabis industry isn't going to go anywhere while it's definitely coming out the way it is and breaking out the way it is into the adult use legal market. And, and, you know, at the same time you have individuals out and about connecting like we are, but at the, at the same time, trying not to lose it into the industrialization and the capitalization of yeah. the industry at the same time. It's tricky because what else do you participate other than to start a corporation and try to part and be involved economically? But this is an avenue where we can definitely lay that out to say the people we want involved, we want to be like-minded. They want to be a healing component to cannabis you know, even if there's been harm done by cannabis for people that have experienced that or, or associate to that, but it's stigmatized or, or not the platform to be able to bring that up and talk about it here, you know, and moving forward that way too. So why I asked about the Canadian thing, it just makes sense that if of all things, healing ranches, right? Like how could that become 
uh, not a thing of the future for your all-around total spiritual getaway and reconnectivity experience, you know? Like, that's where you're talking everything, but inclusive to honing it into plant cultivation, plant education, you know, the public health like you you acknowledged. Having people come and go from that, that come to that space and leave that space multiplying and amplifying that experience into greater positivity, basically. So I think, Emily, I'm going to leave it with you on that. Any closing remarks, any plugs you want to throw in for your work? Definitely, we're going to follow up if you want to do another segment sometime. See where we're at. Definitely any way that way. But for sure, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. I just, uh, I want to say, I totally see that vision of the healing retreats. Um, I love that. And yeah, if you want to uh, find out more about my work, it is at emilyrheron.com. Um, Emily, E-M-I-L-Y-R-H-E-R-O-N.com. Um, yeah, I have my online course and I have some uh, blog posts about this type of work to hear that there still is a lot of stigma in Canada because you know it's legal in the whole country so I didn't know that so yeah likewise likewise and thank you for for helping bring this out thank you for helping decolonize cannabis Emily thank you for your work talk to you again soon okay